0: this is Donna Otto. Welcome to Modern Homemakers. And we are a work that encourages young women, young women as they navigate the early stages, all stages of being a woman, a woman of faith, being a Proverbs 31 woman, being a mom, a wife, and a homemaker. And so today I want to delve into this notion of Keeping the lines of communication open in marriage. I know that you are like I am, and you have heard more than one person say you need to invest in your marriage you need to make sure you're investing in your marriage. Have you ever heard someone say that to you? Are you all nodding your heads? In one way or another, people want to tell us that we should be investing in this long-term relationship. If you want it to be a long-term relationship, you have to take care of it. You have to tend the garden of your marriage. How many things have been written and talked about? And I just want to add a few more to it because I believe in the concept. But I think sometimes that we say, invest in your marriage we're not very concrete and of all things that I like to be is practical and concrete so I'm going to give you five ways to invest in your marriage and I'm going to tell you the five of them and then I'm going to go back and give you a few remarks for each connect spiritually connect spiritually secondly have meaningful conversation Have meaningful conversation. Thirdly, touch and then touch again. Oh wait, and touch again. Fourthly, take the principle of confession and forgiveness as a high priority. And lastly, play and enjoy one another play and enjoy, play with and enjoy one another. So what does that really look like in life? Um, It seems people are constantly telling young couples to invest, but never quite explaining what that actually looks like or how to do it or how simple it can be or how important it is. When I was a young girl, um, high school age, high school age, The church that I went to, which was the church that I professed um, a public profession of faith and was baptized, water baptized in, they had this rule about boyfriends and girlfriends never praying together. And literally, if you went to church with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and it came time to come to the altar and pray, it was a church that prayed at the altar, if you walk down holding hands with your boyfriend and knelt to pray, they would come over and separate. You know, sp- you know, the young people's groups, the Friday night programs, they would come over and separate. And I can remember thinking, boy, I'm I'm never going to get in that situation where they have to come and separate me because it, it looked painful. And so I I just never thought much more about it. And then as I became a young woman and was dealing with, working with teenage people, I came to understand that praying together is one of the most uniting things that any two people in the world can do. Two women, two men, two families. It, it's uniting. It's uniting. It's an opportunity to express to be authentic, to show your consistency of faith, to ask God to forgive you, which is a vulnerable thing to do. And so couples were told not to do that. And as my husband and I grew in our life together and ministry work, and we led young married couples classes, we said to those couples in small groups that were formed out of a big Sunday school class, every, if you came to that class, you got into a small group. That was just the rule. But we would always say to them, no praying with opposite sex, another spouse, because it's vulnerable. It's And then you often touch each other, you pat each other, you hug each other. And we're human. We're just human. We need to protect ourselves. So on that side of this coin, connecting spiritually, I want to say that the very thing that we know happens, a little touch, a little hug, a little kiss, a little thank you, a little storytelling about each other and pretty soon there's an emotional bond We want to say, that's what we want you to do in marriage. Let there be an emotional bond. One of the most beautiful aspects of marriage comes from the opportunity to emotionally and spiritually connect with another human being. It's a gift that a Christian marriage gives an opportunity to connect with each other, not only in conversation and paying the bills and raising the children, but with the one true living God. I think we take for granted this spiritual connection and I believe that tending this connection in connecting spiritually, in praying together, we are sharing our hearts and communicating the Spirit of Christ when, within us and interne- interacting with each other as a relationship with God. I can tell you that some of the most intimate moments I've ever had with my husband have been in times of prayer. I've uh, been in times when he was praying to God and I got to hear it and he was open and vulnerable. My husband is... um. Uh, a, a Germanic man, and he's not like his Italian wife, who talks a lot and says a lot and tells a lot. He's careful, and I'm glad for his carefulness. But in those moments, we have had these holy times, hand in hand, or laying one next to one another in bed at night. We call it our meeting place at night. It's a simple act that has supernatural outcome. I hear him say where he's aching or I hear him pray with a tenderness towards someone we love and care about. And it changes my effect um, with him. So it's a very powerful way to invest in your relationship. And don't worry about this, whose idea is, who's the head of the house. We understand all of that. Uh, Spiritual headship, go back and read Corinthians, Ephesians, but don't be afraid of that. Wives, don't be afraid to grab your husband's hand and say, could we pray about this together? And take its course, let it take its course. Be faithful to it, do it more than once and let the Lord promote a connectedness and a closeness. Secondly, have meaningful conversation. Well, I read somewhere in a poll of a hundred couples, I should say a hundred marital counselors, that we had spent an average of four minutes a day talking four minutes a day in active, meaningful conversation. Wow. And I want that marriage to last for 60 years or 75 years and I'm giving him four minutes a day. You know, that doesn't compute at any level. So let that conversation be meaningful. Uh, there are three kinds of conversation. Facts, which are the most superficial I went to work today, I went to school today, I ate peanut butter and jelly for lunch today. The second is followed by opinions and idea. I don't happen to like that candidate for the presidential election. That's more meaningful than a fact, but the most meaningful are the ideas that we share at the deepest level, our feelings and our emotions with one another. I felt this way when this happened to me. I, I found that to be a meaningful experience. I realized that it connected me to something that was much deeper and much greater. And that isn't as easily done. It needs more time. And I assure you, if you've been connecting spiritually and praying, it will happen more quickly. But this looks like, oh, I don't know, somebody who wrote about marriage called it couch time. I don't remember the author. I'm not minimizing it, but it was couch time in that mommy and daddy sat in the midst of the melee of their children running around and doing dances and shows and reading and noise face to face and had couch time. Well, I don't care what you call it or how you do it. But I can tell you that a trick that David and I discovered in having meaningful conversation, I want meaningful conversation all the time, And David, who wants meaningful conversation intermittently, and that was we agreed that we were going to do it, and then we got in this position. We've taught young couples to do this for years. Get knee-to-knee, hand-to-hand, and we laughing would say nose-to-nose because I have such a big nose. I promise you it is hard to yell at someone you are knee-to-knee, hand-to-hand, nose-to-nose with. I promise you there'll be a bit of levity to begin with. I promised you that the closeness and the proximity of touching, which is my next point, will aid to your meaningful conversation. Consider asking questions like, what was the best part of the day? Did a meaningful event happen to your day? Was there something that bugged you today? How am I doing with you today? Um, David and I had little cards printed up, and we used to place them around the house that said, how are we doing that gave you opportunity to say, you're not doing so well. We used to do it at night before we went to bed and we were brushing our teeth and he would look at me or I would look at him and we'd say, how are we doing? That just gave a moment to signal there was something wrong. Didn't mean we had to take care of it right then, but it helped us to be sensitive to it. Touch, 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 touch. Could I be really bold and say, women and men don't touch with the idea that there'll be sex. Touch is, first of all, there are five million sensors in your hand and those sensors communicate worlds of intention to the person that we are touching. I've talked about this in raising children. Boys at some point don't want to be touched. They don't want to be hugged. They don't want to be kissed. They don't want to be patted. But all of us want to be touched. And the safest place is your elbow to the top of your shoulder. You can touch a boy there anytime, anywhere, and get your touching sensors in without making him say, oh, mom. Physical touch conveys to your spouse that you notice them, that you desire them, that you want to be near them. Now, I understand that most couples have their own unique way of holding hands. Do you? Is there a certain way your husband grabs your hand or you grab his hand? Is it entwined? Is it one thumb up? Is it one thumb down? Is it grasped? Most couples have it. And do it more often acknowledge as you're doing it, how much it means to you. Maybe your husband likes a back rub or a scratch. And maybe you say, come sit next to me while we're watching a TV show and take that time for touching. My husband loves to be scratched on the top of his bald head. And sometimes I'll invite him to come sit at my feet. That's pretty good, don't you think? While I'm watching TV, he loves to sit at my feet as long as I'll scratch his head and massage his hair. So touching, touching. And then... Could I say one more thing about touching? Find out what your husband really likes. Does he like touching? Does he like scratching? Does he like rubbing? Does he like sitting close to you? Does he like walking beside you? What kind of touching does he like? And then be sure to tell him what kind of touching you like. I like kissing. I always like kissing. Kissing is my favorite thing. I love kissing. I love kissing. All the time I love kissing. I'll never stop love kissing. So next and more serious point. Acknowledge and confess Understand how confession and forgiveness is such an important part of your relationship in marriage. It's an important part of the church. It's what God calls us to. It's what He came to do. He came to give His life a sacrifice so that we would be free to be forgiven. Wow! We've just come through Lent and Easter and Holy Week. And that is a powerful concept that his very life was defined so that we could have the privilege of acknowledging our own sin, confessing it to him. If you are faithful to confess, he is faithful to forgive, First John 1 and 9. And then came the reconciliation. So be vulnerable with your husband. Be vulnerable with your spouse. Be willing to share your weakness and your shortcoming and saying, What a doomkoff am I? I. I wish I hadn't done that. Maybe you're the first one to say I'm sorry. You're the first one to acknowledge what a doomkoff you are. Maybe it's harder for your husband. It doesn't matter. It has to be within you the ability to confess and ask his forgiveness. Does that mean he's gonna give it? No doesn't mean that at all. We have some young friends who we've been meeting with regularly for a couple of years now. He is not easy to forgive. He holds a grudge. And as many times as she says, please forgive me, she knows that he still hasn't forgiven her. And there's a distance between. The practice of letting down our pride in the act of confession opens the door to the other person to forgive us search your heart frequently, be honest with your spouse, as honest as you can be. And then lastly, learn how to play together, enjoy time together. They say couples who pray together, stay together. I say couples that pray and play together, stay together. I'm not a very good player. My husband knows how to play. He knows how to enjoy, and he can enjoy the simplest things. He can just sit down in front of a rose bush, and look at the roses, and look at the colors, and think about what it came from, and where we bought it, and why we like this color. And he, he, we can have the best time looking at one rose bush. Uh, we can have the best time playing cards. We love to play cards. We play cards everywhere. We play cards on the airport, on the plane, in our bed, on holidays, at the table. We love to play cards. We know so many card games, and. And we can do that, and sometimes when there's tension between us, one or the other will say, how about some cards? That's kind of a buzzword for let's play together. Playing together always causes us to enjoy one another and to enjoy life. It's a board game. It's going out for a fun dinner. It's taking a hike. It's going, my husband and I love to go to the library together. It's packing a lunch. It's cooking a meal. My husband is actually learning to be in the kitchen with me and I consider it fun. And we now have some recipes that he considers fun. So look for things that are fun, things that are playful. And as I said a few days ago, it's okay if there's a clutter that arises in your house because you've been playing together. Remember these five things. Take them in small part. Find one that you think is more important to you and practice it more faithfully. Maybe write them down in the front of your Bible and continue to look for ways to connect spiritually, to have meaningful conversation, to touch, 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 to practice acknowledging and confessing and forgiving one another and to play and enjoy each other we are modern homemakers. Thank you for joining us. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of good marriaging.